Spilled your drink? Uh. Quick! The quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up spills and messes quicker. And each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less than the leading value brand. So you can get back to the party. Bounty. The quicker picker-upper. This is you waiting for dinner on an ordinary vacation. It's a two-hour wait for a table. This is you waiting for dinner on a real vacation. Go on a real vacation. Go RVing. Take the wheel at your nearest RV dealer or at GoRVing.com. 610 Sports Radio, broadcasting live from the Brown and Crouppen Studios. You can listen to the official pre- and post-game shows with Mitch Holtis right here on 610 Sports Radio, KCSB Kansas City, WDAFHC2 Liberty, Radio.com Sports Station. And welcome to the first Arrowhead Pride radio show brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. The very first one this year because, well, there's been, you know, baseball going on, a lot of stuff. But we're not into the quarter market, so we got a lot more Arrowhead Pride radio coming your direction. I'm Jay Binkley, Chris Nucero producing. And, of course, if you're doing Arrowhead Pride radio, you need the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride. And I still don't have my hat. Pete Sweeney. Are you ready to call this the first of 16 episodes? Because that would mean we would go through four through week 17, and then we would have what would be three playoff games if the Chiefs continue just winning like they have been. If you're asking me, Pete, if we're going to run it back in a broadcast sense, yes, we are. You feel strongly about that. That's good. Yeah. But anyway, the, every week it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Kent Swanson, who breaks down, whether it's arrowheadpride.com, the draft guide he does, uh, the great Mahomes pieces he has will join us each and every week. But for Mahomes, the offense and you know various things, Kent can talk anything, but he really specializes, played some college quarterback, and really specializes on that, whether it's on Twitter at Kent Swanson and, of course, on ArrowheadPride.com. He'll be the offensive guru. And then from ArrowheadPride.com, uh, one of the best defensive guys in the country, to be quite honest with you, Craig Stout. Yeah. And the best beer maker at Barley Hop is his Twitter <laughs> handle. So, obviously, that's a beer reference. It's yeah. not like 4-3 at 4-3 Blitz. I mean, it's a barley hop. Yeah, give me a second to gush about my guys. Of course, the Arrowhead Pride Nerd Squad, they do such a good job for us at our, our site. Kent has focused in on the offense and Patrick Mahomes and watches them each and every week. They go back and watch the All-22. Same thing with Craig Stout and Steve Spagnolo and these guys have been watching them so closely that I think they... But they don't up, watch them with Steve Spagnuolo. No, it'd be nice if he would want to do that. So, Steve, if you're listening, I can get you my number, but... Yeah, Craig Stout and Kent Swanson do a fantastic job, and, and and they watch so much film that they really know the nuances of both this offense and this defense. So, yeah, they'll be joining us each and every week. Kent, about, what, 6.15, and then Craig will join us about halfway through the show. So that's going to be exciting. Stay with us. Of course, Pete is on every press conference with the Kansas City Chiefs, whether it's off season through training camp and the daily press conference like he was today uh, with Andy Reid, Eric Fisher, and more. Pete Sweeney does that. He's our Chiefs insider that appears on different show. You guys know Pete. And, of course, I do the Arrowhead Pride post-game show. Um, 
after Chiefs games and Chiefs Network. So a lot of Arrowhead pride for a guy that doesn't have a Arrowhead pride shirt, you want jacket, some merch. or hat. What are, you, mean, are you, what are you, you're a large? I'm kind of a member of the staff at this point. Okay. Arrowhead Pride Radio, we're up in post-game. By, by what, extension. Am I chopped liver here? It, it does. Do you feel like, I, I would say that you're a, a, certainly at least a cousin of, of Arrowhead Pride. <laughs> or maybe a weird uncle. I, I, the drunk uncle. Yeah, certainly certainly that, especially when you have these beer segments in here. Our text line still rolls wrong. Smitty's Garage, Burgers and Beer, text line 913-576-7610. At the end of the show, Pete and I look ahead to the next opponent uh, with various things that they're saying and the matchup and some of your questions that you might have uh, for Pete Sweeney or myself, and we'll address those at the end of the program. But uh, before we dive into the Baltimore game on Monday night, the Baltimore beatdown inside what the Chiefs did, we'll discuss that. But the injuries that did occur from that game, you were on the conference call. This is Andy Reid talking about the injuries, and then we'll elaborate on them, Pete. Uh, Sneed is, um, as far as injuries go here, Sneed um, uh, is going to have his clavicle fixed. Uh, it was fractured. And so we'll just see how, how that works for him as far as the time away and all. Um, and then Chris Jones um, has a groin strain, and, and we'll see what he can do uh, today. But really that's the, the only – the only players that would uh, potentially miss, uh, Snead definitely missing. Um, with that, listen, we look forward to the challenge of playing the Patriots. We we know um, what they're about. They're, they're a heck of a football team, and uh, they're as well coached as anybody in the National Football League. And on both sides of the ball and special teams, they're tough and aggressive uh, and, and well-schooled. So... Uh, we've got to make sure we have a good week of practice. <clears throat> Nobody does it better than Bill uh, does it um, in this league, and he's time-tested. He's been doing it a while. So, uh, And then Cam's uh, playing uh, great football for him. So we got to make sure that we, again, we, we get to practice here and, um, and that we focus in on what, what we need to do uh, to play our best game against him. So with that time. Well, Jerry Sneed, obviously off to a great rookie start. You think about the rookies, some are acclimated to the NFL, some aren't. Well, Jerry Sneed was really making his uh, presence felt. Already a couple interceptions, passes defended, and hurt the clavicle uh, that Andy Reid says they're going to fix. I'm assuming surgery. I don't want to assume. I'm just right. guessing that's what it is. But he was hurt on the almost interception in that Baltimore game. Yeah, prior to coming on the air, the Chiefs ended up putting him on injured reserve. The way injured reserve works in 2020 COVID, you're out for three weeks, but you can come back. The Chiefs have unlimited players that can come back from injured reserve. Looks to be about a six to eight recovery when you think about the clavicle and and getting it fixed surgically. And you feel bad about Snead because toward the end of training camp, it became more clear that he would be starting on the outside. Of course, Bashad Breeland having... The suspension, and I think what really helped Snead is the fact that he had that speed checked off, the 4.37 40-yard dash. He showed, I think, a little bit more than maybe even the Chiefs coaching staff expected. You heard Spagnolo toward the end of the camp. They were a little bit, I think, I don't want to say worried, but I think they had their concerns about Snead uh, starting, and, and there he was with two interceptions leading the NFL in picks and really – about to have one of the better starts for any defensive back you could think of because the ball was in and out of his hands. It would have been his third interception in as many games. And instead, you're going to be without him for at least six weeks. So that was a, a tough part of an otherwise really great night for Kansas City. 
You know, it's kind of been up and down on how I expected rookies to perform this year. Obviously, without rookie minicamp, OTAs, a, a regular training camp, there was not much contact in training mm-hmm. camp, and they haven't had many padded practice. As a matter of fact, during a regular season, there's only 14 padded practices mm-hmm. out of a 16-game season. That's kind of why you see the tackling at times uh, porous right. in the end. The guy's certainly making his mark, but the secondary did extremely well, Pete. You know, Legereus team, Bashad Breland will come back after four-game suspension, but Rashad Fenton stepped up and had a big game in that game. Matter of fact, four targets, only one reception, no yards against Fenton in that game. Shavarius Ward, you know, with the with that hand, and you know, he's been questionable whether he's going to play or not. Two targets on him, one reception for six yards. Sneed before he was hurt, two targets, one reception, four yards. That's ten yards against those corners for the Chiefs. So they really stepped up in a big game with Legarius Sneed. And really, I think the receiving core for Baltimore as a whole. I mean, you bring up the box score, as you said, and the statistics are just unbelievable. J.K. Dobbins led the Ravens in yards, and it was 38 through the air, and Mark Andrews held to 22. I know that he had that drop in the end But he doesn't carry the football for him, and I can't figure that out. Only two rushes the time before. He didn't really touch. He got up through the air, but he's not on the ground. Hollywood Brown, 13. Uh, kudos to Fenton, who I, I think showed a little bit of struggle on the outside earlier in the year, and he had a nice night, and the Chiefs are going to need him because, again, Breland doesn't return until week five. So your outside corners in this game will be Charvarius Ward and then Rashad Fenton with Antonio Hamilton probably playing that sna- uh, that uh, slot role. Well, it's obviously a significant injury, that and Ward. Ward's back now for the Chiefs, not not 100% obviously with that. It was what, about four weeks, so I've had that brace on, four to five, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I would say about that, yeah. Four to five with him. Um, the next one, Chris Jones, the growing. Chris Jones was absolutely dominant in that game. Growing strains are weird because, one, you see guys kind of go through it, try to play. They won't play as many snaps, be a little bit more limited. And he was kind of limited in his snaps a little bit against Baltimore, but he's in there. He's extremely efficient. Uh, concerns on that one. You know what? Can the Chiefs just get Chris Jones and Frank Clark completely healthy at the same time? Because – when we've had glimpses of that in the playoffs last year, at the beginning of this year at certain points, the Chiefs are just a force to be reckoned with, and it makes the rest of the defense better. You know, It makes the secondary better. I'm just hoping that these guys can click and be healthy. You had the one game where Clark was sick. Now you're worried about Jones with the little groin. It was good to see that he at least had limited practice on Wednesday. Now we'll see how it goes the rest of the week. I think this will be something to monitor. The gut feeling that I have from covering this team for so long is that this may be this questionable type thing when we look at the injury report on Friday and then eventually a game-time decision. We'll have to wait for that. Then, of course, as far as injuries are concerned, um, Andrew Wiley, I mean, it's, he never he never played. Rimmers ended up playing for him. His grade wasn't as high as I thought it would be because I thought the offensive line actually Played really well. Played a little better. In that uh, game. I thought Rimmers did a, a nice better. job. But Andrew Wiley, there was speculation. It, it's always hard. When you see things, just, just let it play out. I mean, there's appendicitis or all these things that were going around. We don't know what it was. But evidently, it was not much because whatever happened, he ended up – you had to be careful during these times, too, because you don't know what, what people have or whatever. So the Chiefs are just being careful. And he ends up going back to the game – at the stadium, I believe he ended up getting back there, but it looks like he'll be good to go this week. Wiley has had a string of bad luck. I mean, you had the injury toward the end of last year. He ends up getting replaced by Wisniewski, and then when he was healthy and good to go for the playoffs, Andy Reid said, no, we're going to keep Wisniewski in there, and good Wisniewski on him. Wisniewski was good. They got him. They got it done. And so 
I don't think Wiley is a weakness by any means, but it did feel like they were playing a little better, especially in, in pass protection with Remmers in there at, at right guard. And Remmers came into this season with 72 starts, I believe, the last five years. So I thought it would be a matter of time before he's playing. That is an interesting underlying storyline because Wiley was back to practice fully today. But would I be shocked if we turn on the game and Remmers is in there on Sunday? I would not be shocked. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Pete, we saw uh, some trick plays being used by the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. Several of them. He had the one where Hardenbun took the snap and throws it to Mahomes and throws it back. Of course, we had the uh, the shovel pass. It's not really his trick play, but the the shovel it was very deceptive. The shovel pass, flicky, was nice. What the Kansas City Chiefs did, and of course. There was this. 27 to 20, Kansas City. They have first down and goal to go at the Raven two-yard line. Make a handoff, short roll, throwback, left wide open, Eric Fisher, a tackle eligible. Eric Fisher, the fish, jumps out of the pond and goes into the sweet nectar of the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City on a tackle eligible to Eric Fisher. And that was a lot of fun. I mean, we, we had a lot of fun. I always like when big guys score, Pete, I'll be honest with you. Being a bigger fellow myself, I always enjoy when those guys get those plays. Here was Eric Fisher on the conference call on that play. Oh, uh, yeah, we had to go heavy personnel on that. And once Wiley was down, I didn't think there was a chance we were calling it. So it kind of surprised me, which might have been a good thing. That way I wasn't thinking about it the whole game. But uh, when I when it came in, um, you know, I went and reported eligible and uh, luckily kind of tricked the defense on the field there and, uh, wide open over there in the, in the end zone. And that, that made me work for that one a little bit, but it's all right. Uh, we uh, we practice those kind of things, and uh, it was a memory I'll uh, have for life. He's been wanting to catch the football. He got a little nervous when he had to jump yeah. a little bit. But I'll be honest with you, and this is an NFL rule, and I think it's dumb. I, I think the rule is asinine. It takes away the – no, it does. It takes away the element of surprise. They have to report themselves as eligible. Right. Well – if you line up on the line and no one is there to box you in like a receiver up on the line, you're an eligible receiver if you're on the edge of that line. Technically, the defense should have to figure that out themselves. That's my opinion because that takes out the element of surprise. So Baltimore knows he's eligible. But when you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and you got Tyreek Hill and you got Travis Kelsey and Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins and all these weapons or Pat running, you don't expect Eric Fisher that's never caught a pass in his life to catch one. The significance is funny. Everybody like, hey, Eric Fisher cut a touchdown. But to me, Pete, it showed me Andy Reid's mentality. The mentality of, I'm going to use trick plays. I might not be able to use this the rest of the year because teams are going to be looking for this. It's now on tape. Right. Bill Belichick's already probably practiced against this, even though he probably doesn't think he's going to see it. But it showed me the mentality of how much he wanted this game, that he was willing. In a crucial time, it was 27 to 20 at this point. Baltimore had been coming back. Yeah, and I think Allegretti actually checked in on that play to even make it a little bit harder to read. And so good on Andy Reid with the play design. A little bit almost like reverse psychology there because who knows what's coming when you have the extra offensive lineman in and it ends up going to be a pass. As you heard with Mitch saying the big fish. And, yeah, I like those that, that pass to the offensive lineman. It's a big tight end. I like the shovel pass to Anthony Sherman. One thing that stuck with me is after the game, Sammy Watkins called those two plays his favorite. And it's because – some of these guys who never get to experience that, like you occasionally will have the sausage in blocking and the running back gets to touchdown or 
Maybe another running back gets a touchdown. It's a really nice block from Eric Fisher. They got to finally experience the ball in their hands and, and their scoring, and, and certainly Sherman has had had that, but this is probably a once-in-a-lifetime thing for Eric Fisher, one thing he'll remember forever. Well, we'll dive in with the Chiefs offense, the performance of Pat Mahomes with the one and only Kent Swanson from ArrowheadPride.com when Pete Sweeney and I return on Arrowhead Pride Radio. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio every Wednesday night, 6 to 7 p.m., 610 Sports Radio, and of course the radio.com app. I'm Jay Binkley with Pete Sweeney. Big thanks to Kansas Lottery. And it's time to uh, turn our attention to offense with the Patrick Mahomes guru, the draft guru, you name it guru, at arrowheadpride.com. His name is Kent Swanson. Kent, good evening. Jay Binkley, it is good to hear your voice. Pete Sweeney, not so much. Rude. But I, I miss hearing you, buddy. I'm glad to be on with you, my friend. At Kent underscore Swanson on Twitter. Will you please tell Pete, since I'm doing Arrowhead Pride Post and Arrowhead Pride Radio, at some point I should probably get a hat or like just kind of feel like one of the members. I don't know if you guys have like membership cards, you and, and Matt Lane and Craig Stout and everybody, but I mean, I, I kind of don't even get invited to the club, you know? The rules. Nerd Squad cards is you don't talk about the Nerd oh, Squad I got it. cards. Okay. However, maybe we can get you a hat. Maybe maybe Pete can like shell out a, a little bit to try to get you a hat. Or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, you know, Jay, uh, you know, you, you do a lot of audio for us, which which we appreciate. But the key to, to getting some merch is you got to write at least a hundred articles. So I think you got about a hundred to go. But, but I'm an orator. <laughs> I, I talk about Arrowhead Pride a lot. I it's true. You know, hey Kent, I want to get your opinions on what was my favorite play of the game. And not only that, but this was a play of the game that I think is one of Patrick Mahomes' top three throws that we won't hear about very often, but I want you to get your opinion on this throw and see if you feel it's one of his better throws. Third and 14 for Mahomes at the Raven 49-yard line. A minute 54 to go in the first half. 20-10 to 10 Kansas City. Austin Ryder, right hand on the ball, snaps it back to the waist of Mahomes, retreating into the pocket. Merlin Humphrey on a blitz. Deep throw down the middle. Hardman, wide open. Touchdown! Kansas City! A 49-yard bomb! And again, they go after Marcus Peters and win, or Deshaun Elliott might have been the man back there. On third and 14, it's the safety Deshaun Elliott that gets burned, this time for 49. <laughs> Andy Reid talked about it. This is uh, a creation by Matt Kafka, actually. It's a, it's like this brain trap. Kafka, Mahomes, Reed, and Bienemy. They put their hands together. But the reason I like this throw, the second longest throw in the air in the NFL this year, with this drop back went 58.1 yards. The reason I liked it, he knew he was going to get hit. He was going to get hit by Marlon Humphrey. He didn't shy away and throw the ball early. He waited for the five yards of separation from McCole Hardman. He waited for it, waited for it, threw the football, big situation, third and 14. And because he was willing to take the hit, that was my favorite play of the game and maybe one of my top three throws in Mahomes. Uh, not the, you know, the no look or anything like that. This one was toughness. You're, uh, you're going to hear me writing about, or you've seen me writing about this on Arrowhead Pride in here this week, actually, Jay. And I agree with you. It's, it's a fantastic throw. I don't know if I'm going to put it in the top three, but I am going to put it very high up there. And there's, there is not a lot of appreciation for this throw. Um, and, and the entirety of it. You know, like last week we talked about, you know, the big talking point was Mahomes drifting in the pocket. It was all over the place. This is the, this is the other side of that. Mahomes bought time. 
you know, on that big play, trying to go come away from that, you know, real deep pressure, just kept backing up, backing up. Because he was able to throw the ball 60 yards in the air on a rope without any problems. It was just him knowing his body, him knowing his capabilities, buying himself some time. Some time. And, and you're right. Willingness to throw a, a ball like that while getting hit, it's a special throw. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, I mean, that, that was really ultimately the dagger in that game. Pat Mahomes agrees with us. My favorite play probably was the one to McColl, just because um, – we had drawn it up. We didn't want the kind of that zero type fire zone pressure. But we had drawn it up, uh, especially for that for that team, for this team. And uh, I thought he did a great job of running the route. And Eb uh, had, had kind of mentioned it earlier in the game, and we called it at the right time and, and made a big play on it. I always feel bad for poor Wink Martindale when he runs into Andy Reid. Hold on. Want to ask you, Kent, about Patrick Mahomes in general? Now that we've been through three games, one of the emphasis for him in the off season was the pre and post snap, reading these defenses. What have you seen? You've been watching him since the beginning here. How far has he come so far in 2020? Oh, he's, he's definitely made additional strides. There's no doubt about it. And, and in some of the games, you know, like the first game, for instance, of the season, it was just a very ho-hum, boring performance from him. And part of the reason was because he's just processing the game at a quicker level, at a higher level. When Mahomes doesn't have to utilize his special abilities, playing and play out like we've seen with some of the, you know, high, some of the highlights. Really, there's a lot more highlights in 2018. It felt like, but that was partially because Mahomes was bailing himself out with a lot of his athletic abilities. You saw a little bit less in 2019, and yes, some of the plays that he, he put on this week were like undoubtedly some special plays with a, from a special athlete, but that he's able to understand and process the game. Some of these throws become boring because the decisions just become simpler. And I think you're seeing that with him. There's no holes in this game. You know, he can beat you when you're, when you actually catch him off guard, he can beat you, um, you know, in the structure of the play at a, at a high level. There's really no holes in this game. It's because the mental side just keeps, keeps accelerating. And it's only going to get better and better as his career goes on. Kent, uh, I had a call in the post game show, the Arrowhead Pride post game show, the first week, and you know people were asking me how do you how do you slow down the Chiefs' offense or how can you stop the offense as well. You know, if I knew the answer, you know, I'd be on the sideline in the NFL because I don't <laughs> nobody know Belichick. You know, if this guy didn't know how to stop it, nobody else does. Um, the one thing I said, and I know analytics people won't agree with this, even though I love analytics, time of possession to me is still one of the biggest factors. I mean, when you look at last year's loss to the Colts, they had the ball 40 minutes to the Chiefs 20, two to one time of possession. When, when, the, when the Texans beat the Chiefs, they had the ball 17 minutes longer. Translation, the only way to beat the Chiefs offense is keep the offense drinking Gatorade. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's some validity to limiting possession count. I think that's part of it. You know, it's not necessarily as much time of possession, which obviously that is a byproduct of that. But I think it more has to do with you know, trying to limit the number of possessions that the Chiefs can get. Um, and if that means time of possession, so be it. But, you know, one of the things that the Chiefs have had issues with in the past has been this week, but starting fast. They haven't been able to start fast. And sometimes if you can control the ball enough to limit the number of possessions and the Chiefs start slow, that puts them in a bind early, um, gets them out of rhythm, um, that – has been a you know part of the formula for success. That's one of the ways that you can. Um, I think you know the Chargers being able to rush with four teams like that that are going to be able to do that might be able to hold them to thirty-one. So you just got to hope that 
Uh, you just got to hope that, you know, the defense is off on a, on a bad day uh, for Kansas City. And, you know, if you, if you play the possession game a little bit with them, I think there's some validity to that. But he's got to start slow and the team has to start slow. We talked about how Jay's never getting an Arrowhead Pride hat. Kent, I want you to put on and, and swallow it here a little bit for me, your New England Patriots hat for a second. If you're coming into this game as Bill Belichick, what are you taking away from the Chiefs and how are you doing it? I think I think they're going to continue to take away Tyreek Hill. Um, I think teams have really keyed in on that through the course of this season. He's just a guy that can flip the game on its head so quickly. You're going to live with Travis Kelsey operating in the middle of the field, even though you're going to try to double him up a little bit too. There's no doubt that on some of these key downs, you might be trying to take him away. might double them both and just try to play zero across the board and, and, and kind of give the matchups to a Sammy Watkins. Uh, to uh, to a Demarcus Robinson or McCole Hardman, and, and hope those guys don't beat you. Which, if you've seen the last two times these teams have played, Sammy Watkins had a big game in the 2018 AFC Championship game. McCole Hardman had a huge touchdown uh, in man, against man coverage uh, in Foxborough last year. So, you know, I think it's it's going to continue to be trying to take away those two guys. The benefit for the Chiefs is Sammy Watkins is healthy. McCole Hardman coming off a nice game, and oh yeah. That Clyde Edwards, the layer guy, still in the mix. They're going to have to find, figure out a way to account for him, too. Um, I think it's going to be trying to force the secondary pieces of this offense, not the focal points, to beat you, though. You, you know what? We, we've seen different looks from Belichick, even going back to that 43-40 to 40 loss the Chiefs had back in 2018 to the Patriots. The way they kind of limited Mahomes in that first half, the Chiefs only had nine points out of 40 in that first half of that game. And Belichick was throwing everything at Mahomes, including you know putting Dante Hightower in a situation where he ended up getting an interception because Mahomes wasn't expecting him there. And then the second half, the, the script flipped, and, and Mahomes kind of figured him out. And then last year, when they met in the regular season, it was Stephon Gilmore on Sammy Watkins. Like, that was the guy who said, all right, we're not going to let this guy beat us, and they even did a tussle in that game. So I like the chess match between Belichick and Reed. I love it. But the Belichick-Mahomes chess match – is becoming equal, and like you said, you don't know what he's going to do. Last year it was Gilmore on Watkins. You say you think it'll be Tyree Kill they want to take out this game, but they seem to always want to take out at least one individual. Well, what I like to do is they'll put Stephon Gilmore out on an island and put some trust in him to go take away a guy like Sammy Watkins, and then they'll utilize two guys on someone like a Travis Kelsey or a Tyree Kill. So it's kind of a hybrid where they're going to just put one of their they're going to put their best player out on an island, and then they're going to give help to. Um, you know, to, to try to defend a Tyree Kill or a Travis Kelsey with two guys that aren't Stephon Kilmore um, and would need a little bit of help anyway. So that's kind of what they've done historically. I mean, it's a good strategy. The, good, the, the tough thing for the, for the Patriots is that Stephon Gilmore hasn't looked great this season. It looks like there's been a little bit of a fall-off so far to this point in the year. Um, so that could be a, another challenge that this team has to face. Um, but the thing about Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick is he's always thinking, he's always growing, he's always changing. You know, for all we know, they're going to try to play, you know, they're just going to play zone the entire day. They're going to try to play cover three uh, and get home get home with a, with an average four down line. You know, maybe they're just going to pray that they can get lucky and, and kind of copy what the Chargers did. You know, you never know with Bill Belichick. Uh, but that's what makes it so fun, and it's going to be a good matchup. And Chiefs fans and the Chiefs should not be overlooking this game, even though they're off a big one in Baltimore. 
It's the great Kent Swanson with a look at the Chiefs offense. Give him a follow on Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson. Follow his work, arrowheadpride.com. He's going to be talking about that pass to McCole Hordman. Kent, always enjoy it. Thanks a lot. Hey, Pete, go get him a shirt. <laughs> Thank you. Thank no you, promises. Kent. I'm not going to promise to that one right now. Kent just pulled <laughs> all your guys do. <laughs> we want to, once we're done with the interview, I mean, we're off the phone. You guys, no are, extra you guys, time are, you guys are pretty fast, man. I, but uh, look at the Kansas City Chiefs defense with defensive film guru Craig Stout from ArrowheadPride.com. Coming up next, you're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Rich Gannon joins the drive every Wednesday at 4.30, 610 Sports Radio. Hey, and welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio each and every Wednesday right here on 610 Sports Radio from 6 to 7, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Myself, Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney, Chris Inocero producing the operation. Time to look at uh, something that has drastically improved in Kansas City. <laughs> Not only that, I have big, big ambitions for this defense this year. And this defense, to me, Everybody's talking about the, the fish, your touchdown catch, and all that. That's great. The offense right. looked good. Mahomes was outstanding. But the defense, to me, was the story of the game. And to talk about that now is at Barley Hop on Twitter. Craig Stout, part of the ArrowheadPride.com crew, defensive film guru. If you're not following him for defensive looks, you need to. Good afternoon, or good evening, whatever it is, Craig. <laughs> Hey, good evening, Bink. Hey, you know what? It's afternoon. It's evening. It doesn't really matter. And yeah, this is live radio. I'm just like the afternoon I'm talking to you. Yeah, it's this is live. So it's still light outside. I mean, yeah. you could get away with. It looks this like afternoon. Maybe but late six thirty. It, it, it's you could kind of see it's the golden hour right now, which is mm-hmm. nice. We're a couple hours away from the month of October. Craig, this defense to me, as I said, the real story in this game after the 67 yard drive from the Ravens down to the eight. A little bit surprised they went field goal instead of touchdowns because the key is to score points. Chiefs limited the 228 total yards in this game and have 20 more plays than the Ravens. That is not how the Ravens win football games. I thought the Chiefs defense, the tackling, the scheme, everything much different than we saw in the Chargers game. Oh, absolutely. It was night and day by comparison. The Chiefs definitely had much better play out of their linebackers, much better play out of their defensive line. They were able to kind of shore some stuff up Keep Lamar Jackson mostly in the pocket. He's going to get his, you know, you deal with a little bit of that. But limiting to what the rest of that offense can do is exactly what Steve Spagnuolo set out to do. Took away the middle of the field, made Lamar Jackson have to throw outside the numbers. And as we can see, less than 100 yards passing, that's just a phenomenal job, a great game plan, and great execution of game plan by the Chiefs. Craig, I was curious because we we had an addition this past week, and John Dixon does a great job for us doing snap counts at Arrowhead Pride, but the Beast, Pinnell, was back in the lineup, 18 snaps, 34%. Uh, what did he inject into this Chief, Chiefs defense on, on, his, on his first game there? Uh, he just injects another body that can play that sort of two-gapping role that realistically only Derek Nottie does mm-hmm. for the Chiefs defense right now. Chris Jones, Treshawn Wharton, Colin Saunders, all those guys are more penetrators, guys that get upfield, don't necessarily hold a gap, but try and get in the backfield and make a play. This affords Derek Nottie the ability to kind of take some snaps off and keep them a little healthier, allows him to just kind of go out there and play a little harder without having to, you know, meter his snaps throughout the game. 
it also gave Spagnuolo the opportunity to kick Chris Jones out of defensive end a little bit in the base this week and play Nadi and Pinnell next to each other, formed a really nice wall of the middle, made it very difficult on the Ravens to have to run, and it allowed Chris Jones to kind of get some penetration as a defensive end, which was a great thing for Steve Spagnuolo and the Chiefs. And another guy, too, that we've kind of seen early on in the games is a certain trust level uh, about him. Speaking of rookies on that defensive line, uh, Mike Dana, in the way he's playing 43% of the defensive snaps with 52% of uh, run, and it's more than 38% on the pass. What do you think about his development? He seems to be one of those guys in kind of that Steve Spagnola trusted circle. We've been seeing him out on the field quite a bit. Yeah, Mike Dana is a very highly intelligent player, and you can see that immediately. He identifies things very quickly. It allows him to get to the spots that he needs to get. Lamar Jackson thought that he was going to juke Mike Dana out of his shorts. Mike Dana was able to position himself, realize where his leverage was on this toss play early in the game, and forced a late, late toss. Kind of caught Jackson by surprise there. We don't see that happen very often with defenders, with defensive ends against guys like this. He's a very structurally sound, very gap-disciplined player here. He's not necessarily going to be this explosive sack monster on the edge, but he's the type of guy that Brendan Daly, Bill Belichick constantly rotate in and out in New England that are do-your-job type guys that you know kind of afford other members on the defense to do what they want to do and play to their strengths, knowing that you've got a guy that is just incredibly gap sound and is going to do exactly what he needs to do on any given play. No, we watched the game. We're talking with Craig Stout right now. Craig dissects, and we had our, his article posted on ArrowheadPride.com today, the Chiefs defensive week three film review stopping the Ravens mid-flight. You can catch that on the website right now. I want to ask you about a player who seems to be coming into his own finally, and I'm talking about Juan Thornhill, who was coming back from the injury. He didn't look as great in weeks one and weeks two, was on for 100% of the snaps against the Ravens. What did you see in your dissection, Craig? He looked like a player that was much more comfortable getting downhill against the Ravens. It seemed like he felt comfortable triggering downhill. He made an excellent tackle against J.K. Dobbins on an angle route that would have gone from huge yardage, ended up being short of the sticks there. He also made another great play on Lamar Jackson early in the game to force that early field goal, keep the Chiefs defense or get the Chiefs defense off the field a little bit. He did struggle a little bit with a Nick Boyle touchdown. Just mm. doesn't look quite the same yet locating the ball in flight, but that's something that he's always been good at. I think that's just an adjustment to his injury getting back on the field. I expect that to come with time, especially the leaps and bounds that he's made already through three games. I expect full force Juan Thornhill by the end of the year, and he looks like a much better player, much smarter player this year. I'm very anxious to see what he looks like when his body is agreeing with him all the way. Patriots this week, different-looking Patriots offensively, how they plan to attack uh, the Kansas City Chiefs defense. This is a team that, uh, you know, will run the football. Uh, Cam Newton, the Snakes, and everything else, just trying. If you're going to tackle the Chiefs, you got to tackle in this game, makes the timely throws. How do you think that they're going to attack the Kansas City Chiefs differently than they've done in the past? 
I, I think it's going to be a lot more power run game. We know Cam Newton, we've seen it through the first three weeks here. The, the media has blown it up into, well, Cam Newton can't run this much. He's a big-bodied guy that's not really taking a ton of abuse right now. He's running over safeties, and it's working for this offense. But they've been doing a lot of toss sweeps, end around things to get some of their playmakers into space and on the edge. We all know with the Chiefs linebacking core and guys that they bring from the second level, there aren't the fastest guys in the world. So I expect the Patriots are going to try and attack the edges of the defense. This might be a game where all of a sudden we get to see Willie Gay out of the base defense making a little bit of an impact, using that speed to close down some of the edges and really making his presence felt for the first time yet this year. I know a lot of Chiefs fans are finally looking for Willie Gay to get some actual playing time here, so that's music to the years. Craig, I want to ask you about a roster move the Chiefs made today because uh, we talked about earlier on the program how they had to send cornerback Lejarius Sneed to IR, which is tough to swallow with the start that he's had. But I thought they might elevate a defensive back. Instead, they go and bring up linebacker Darius Harris was with the team sort of on a red shirt year last year while he was injured. What can you tell us about this new addition to the 53 man? Uh, Darius Harris is a guy that maybe profiles a little bit more as a Sam linebacker, a bigger guy, got some pretty good pop in his hands and good body control. He is a very fluid guy. Uh, the, the body control to slip gaps and get around blockers is excellent. That's what he showed in his time in college. But he's not the rangiest linebacker in the world here. I know that Chief fans are kind of used to that at the second level here. But I think he kind of slots in as more of a special team guy right now. It makes me wonder if they're having to shuffle some guys around. You know, with Legereus need out, they're probably having to maybe rely on Antonio Hamilton a little bit more, which moves some of the gunners around. Which, you know, one thing leads to another, especially with Willie Gay maybe getting a little more snaps this week. They may need a lot of these guys that are typically special teams players to kind of contribute to the defense a little more. This may just simply be a move to try and rectify that, get a guy on the field that is a good special teamer, can run and, you know, hold the sort of assignment that Dave Tobe wants and is a big enough guy to be able to play in that role, you know, securely. Well, tell you what, the numbers are very similar between the Chiefs defense and the Patriots defense. And, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're which obviously if you're listening to here or watching or reading ArrowheadPride.com, you have to be pleased the Chiefs sitting there in great spot in six in the NFL in points against. But defensively, as far as yards a game, the Chiefs are right there with the Patriots. So these two defenses playing yeah. very similar this year. Yeah, it, it really is a situation where you're seeing the improvement quickly. To start last year, it took a bit of an adjustment for Spagnuolo to get the foundation laid and everything like that. I think we're seeing a much more cohesive unit. The Chiefs are sixth in the NFL in third down conversion percentage on defense. That's fantastic. That was not the case last year at the beginning of the year. They are also very good in red zone percentage. And then on top of that, they are top five in pressure percentage in the entire NFL we're seeing that this Chiefs team is built to get the lead, rush the passer, and make the quarterback uncomfortable so far this year. When you've got Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the field, that's the exact kind of defense that you want to build. If they can get the run defense secured up a little bit, you know, a little early in the game, 
I think we might see more and more blowouts as the season goes along and the defense just kind of gets its legs back under itself again. That's Craig Stout. Follow his work at Barley Hop on Twitter. And, of course, read these great productions on arrowheadpride.com. A look at the Kansas City Chiefs defense with Craig Stout. Thanks a lot, Craig. Thanks, Frank. Take care. Craig Stout right there. And we return. Pete Sweeney and I will take a look at those New England Patriots. I heard Pete say something today on the drive that I want to ask him about, plus your questions and comments. Smitty's Garage, Burgers and Beer text line, 913-576-7610. This is the time to get your answers of the Kansas City Chiefs. Back with that next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by Kansas Lottery, Jay Binkley and Pete Sweeney. Your questions are rolling in, 913-576-7610, Smitty's Garage, Burgers and Beer text line. Keep the questions. Pete and I will answer some of your questions coming up here in just a second. But first, let's take a look at the opponent, the New England Patriots. I brought this up to Craig. Uh, the total defense for the Chiefs, 11th this year, 355 a game. 357 a game for the Patriots. That's nearly identical, 12th in the NFL when it comes to that. Chiefs with 10 sacks, the Pats only with five. Now, they can dial up the blitz. At different times, obviously, the blitz did not work right. against Pat Mahomes. They have Cam Newton has been sacked 11 times this year, just two times for Pat Mahomes. But it's definitely going to be a different-looking Patriots team. And I thought going into this year, if you want the best to build Belichick, you're probably – well, you're always going to get the best of him. But you might even get the even more because he's got to scheme more because he didn't have Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I think you'd see a Patriots team where – it's Cam Newton, and he looked a little bit better in his first two games than last week against the Raiders, where he was struggling in the first half, and the Patriots kind of had to go in another direction, used a lot of their running backs. And Rex Burkhead looked like he could be a he starter fresh, on, any, on any other team. Flying through the end zone. I think it's one of these cases where I don't think the New England Patriots are going to have are going to be able to rely on Cam Newton to stay in a shootout with Patrick Mahomes, similar to what happened to Lamar Jackson. We worried, I think, about the beginning of this season for the Kansas City Chiefs because of this dual-threat quarterback. A lot of these quarterbacks, they play at the beginning. They do multiple things. Juan Thornhill said something today that stood out. It's like they've been dealing with this for now for a little bit. So I can imagine how good the Chiefs' defense is going to look once you get past some of these dual-threat guys and you get to more of that stationary quarterback. And here they have another one. Uh, on Sunday, I, I just can't see a Chiefs game that will wind up defensive no matter who the opponent, and that includes Bill Belichick to me. Well, a lot of people don't realize it. The number one rushing team in the NFL this year is the New England Patriots, 178 yards on the ground. So that's what Belichick will do in this game is run the football, but they are now number one. Say, wait a minute. The Ravens, <laughs> that's the all-time leading NFL rushing team last season. Now, well, we're only three games into it, but the Patriots do see, have the best run offense in the NFL. Seeing the... Seeing the tackling better on Monday night makes me feel better about this game. I, I looked at the Ravens, and they had 67 yards in that first drive, and then the Chiefs held them to 30 yards the rest of the way. That makes me feel a lot better about this New England rushing attack. Are you going to put your pick in yet, or are you going to wait? I'm picking the Chiefs this week. I don't know a score yet. I got to do some deep thinking about that. Maybe get some Vino for the Sweeno. It'll cur- curl up on the couch. <laughs> Vino for the Sweeno. I'll go in uh, 31 to 21 Kansas City Chiefs. I'll, I'll let you know the score. I'm definitely picking the Chiefs. I just got to figure out the score. I am too. You said something on the drive today. Uh, you were asked about Tier 2, and I know they asked Gannon. I'll bring it later. Bink, I have Bink at night right after this. I'll bring up what Gannon said. Uh, Ravens did not move on the tier. I was getting kind of perturbed during the postgame, Pete. 
that people are downplaying the Ravens. Well, Lamar sucks. No, he's 21 and 1 in the regular season against anybody else. 0 and 3 against the Chiefs. Let's not put him down. That's a good football team. That's a team that's won 14 straight regular seasons games. Let's not put him down. But the Ravens do not move off my tier one. They stay there with the Kansas City Chiefs. They're not going to beat the Chiefs. It's 1A and 1B. But I don't think that the Steelers, the Bills, the Colts, the Titans, and who knows what their situation, even though they're supposed to play yeah. Monday night. Um, but they're undefeated. They barely won, but they're winning. And that shows me something that you're able to win close games. I think that's very important. But who exists in that tier two line? Are and you are you are you taking the Ravens off of it? The one line. I think there's one tier one team right now, and until I'm uh, that's proven otherwise. And and I think the only other team that really has a possibility right now is the Buffalo Bills. And luckily for football fans and and Chiefs fans, you get to see that in a couple weeks. Not that I'm looking past New England Patriots. I understand Bill Belichick could come in here and shock the team that just won on Monday night. I think Andy Reid knows that. I think he'll be telling his guys that this week. So get the text line questions, 913-576-7610. Ask your questions to the editor-in-chief of arrowheadpride.com. Pete Sweeney, we'll start with this one. Would you like to see us pick up Earl Thomas? I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not up early. I'm surprised yeah. he's not in Dallas, to be quite honest with you. I'm surprised he's not in New England because Chung opted out of the season. But, you're, but Houston, you're making, Texas, yeah. won him because of the fit. I think you're making my points for me. I mean, there's Sorry. all these teams out there in – the league that probably could use him a little bit more even like he goes to Houston, 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 we need a lifeline right now. Like that's where they're at. And they chose not even really to work him out. I don't know. There's something weird there. I don't think you bring him into this locker room, especially when Juan Thornhill week to week is playing a little bit better. Here's one from the eight one six with Steve going out. I'm getting worried about our corner depth. I know warden Breland will be back, but what other moves could be made? Well, Ward's back. Right. Ward, Ward was back the other night, which was a good sign. I think you, you would like to see him not have a club on his hand because he I think he played 60%, and I expect that to be like 75%. This I think week. it cost him an interception with that club, but I mean, it's hard you, to catch with those things. You can play cornerback with that thing on your hand. I think it's better to have him. They are dangerously close to the line here. I, I, th- I don't know if Bo Peak Keys is, is ready to take uh, that role if another injury happens. So it's going to be key for them to stay healthy in this game. Well, they look good. I went over the stats. Only, only 10 yards when they're targeted at well, four I, last week. And, you know, Lamar's not going to do that to you all the time. But Lamar was completing 77% of his passes before that game. I worry less about defensive backs in general because the fixer, Tyron Matthews, back there. I know we call him the landlord. But, you know, you could put a bunch of 60s and Madden out there with Tyron Matthews. Still and he's going to badger, man. He's going to raise him to 80. And that's just how I feel about him. And so... Yes, granted, you would like to have LeJarrius Sneed, who flashed, and you would like to have Bashad Breland against the New England Patriots, but Tyron Matthews back there. He's going to be all right. Yeah, the secondary is looking better this year. Um, from the 3-4-7, I think that's uh, in Western New York, Chiefs defense hasn't been that bad since week 11 of last year and seems to be improving every week. Spags has things up his sleeve, just like Big Red. You know, here's the thing. Three four seven. I love, and I love we have New York listeners, uh, for Chiefs Kingdom, it shows you how far the kingdom is. Mm-hmm. But Pete and I were in training camp, not this year, but the year before, when we go up to St. Joe, sit there, have some cokes, and watch the watch the practice. A couple cokes, and they look good. And Mahomes was even talking about the different looks this defense was given, and they, and Spags was giving him blitzes to look at. That's why he's so effective against the Ravens. But I thought they were ahead of the schedule because they were given. Mahomes was saying things about the defense that he hasn't said before yeah. as quarterback. But you know what? When you bring in an entire new defensive staff with House and Daly and Merritt, it takes a while to get that system down. Yes, I will pinpoint that Arrowheads, the uh, game in Mexico City at halftime looked like a completely different defense 
the rest of the year. Some scares earlier against the run this year, but last week was about as complete as I've seen this defense in a while. And I think it surprised Steve Spagnuolo himself. I think he was setting up in press conferences some safety nets there where he was saying the idea of this defense is going to be tough to pick off right where we left off, especially when you lack tackling in the preseason. But, man, so far so good in Kansas City. Don't forget, if you have a question each and every week, you can send it right here between 6 and 7 Arrowhead Pride Radio. Big thanks to Kansas Lottery. Great job by Pete Sweeney. Don't forget, we'll be doing the show each and every Wednesday. Great job of producing Chris Uno, Cero, Kent Swanson joined us. The podcast will be out the later. Crew. Kent Swanson, Craig Stout, our offense and defensive analyst. And looking forward to the Patriots game. It's already been the one quarter mark of the season. Who thought, Pete? 25% of the season is Sunday. Unreal. This is what happens with the football season. You blink, and it's Christmas. Get ready to dress up as Santa. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. You can hear the game, 106.5 The Wolf. Not 101 anymore. It's on 106.5 The Wolf. Got Bacon Night coming up, and we'll dissect some more Chiefs and kind of look at the Royals. See you guys in a few minutes. Smell you.